Welcome to Ideas into Reality, a podcast to inspire everyone to take action to turn their ideas into reality. No matter what experience they have, where they live, or who they think they are right now. Each week, we introduce you to a founder that has taken their tiny flicker of an idea and done what it takes to bring it to reality. We also take a few minutes to dig into the how of some of the key lessons those founders have learned on their journey so that you can feel more confident in what to actually do as you start to take action on your idea. Ideas into Reality is hosted and produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba. So we'll be talking to founders from our local community here in regional Queensland, as well as some of the interesting folk that we have met during our travels around the globe. As you heard, Ideas into Reality is produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking. At Canvas Coworking, we're passionate about building the startup ecosystem in our region and beyond, connecting entrepreneurs, designers, developers, hackers, makers, hipsters, creatives, mentors, and investors. We're a not-for-profit incorporated association with an objective to support those who want to turn their ideas into reality. Since mid-2015, our community have been coming together to work, learn, and connect here at Canvas Coworking and online. We're located on Ruthven Street in Toowoomba, a small, beautiful city in the southeast of Queensland, the Sunshine State of Australia. Yet we know that many people don't really know yet what we do here or why we're here or how to become involved. So we hope that the information that you hear on this podcast will help you understand that all a little bit better and make you feel confident to join in whenever you're ready. So you can find out more at canvascoworking.com.au and reach out to us anytime. This week, I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Kat Lynn from Foodie Shots and Sunny and Cat Photography. Kat has been part of our community for a while now, having been a participant in our Food and Ag Bootcamp and a regular sprinter in our 30-day focus sprints. Kat believes that we eat with our eyes and loves helping local food businesses capture the essence of their products with her product photography skills. And, as we'll hear, is also aspiring to help bigger businesses produce better images too. Thanks so much for joining me today, Kat. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I know we've had many over the last, well, the last while, um, but I'm really looking forward to hearing you share it with everyone else today. So thank you. So to start off, I would just really like it if you could introduce yourself a bit and also tell us a little bit about Foodie Shots. Okay, so hi everyone um, and thanks Joy for asking me to come on. I'm, yeah, it's, it's quite an honour. I am the creative director and owner of Foodie Shots and it's a food and product photography predominantly business. And, uh, yeah, it's got a bit of a, a story to it and where we've come from, but I'm sure we'll get into that. We are going to get into it and we're going to get into it right from the beginning. So I'd really like you to share what was actually going on in your life around about the time that you thought, I want to start a food photography business. Yeah, it's funny how life just keeps throwing out little hints to you and it's a matter of whether or not you're listening or you're going to choose to ignore it 
my husband and I, Sonny, uh, we live out at Highfields and since about 2016, we can honestly say we we turned professional in terms of our photography business and hence why you may know of Sunny and Cat Photography. That's mainly about corporate branding events and weddings. And But what I was finding is more food products and food clients were coming and product photography was coming by our way. And it just seemed a natural evolution that foodie shots needed to be born. And the reason for that is because the industry, it sort of demands food to be on its own, and which is fair enough. Food is um, a whole industry. And if I was a food business, I'd like to know that your interest is in food in, in, their, in their business. So it was quite important to differentiate those two very different niches. So, yeah, we still have Sunny and Cat Photography, but that's mainly the weddings and corporate branding and things like that. But I'm so excited that Foodie Shots decided to evolve and it's just really taken on its own. It's, it's, it's quite exciting. At the time when that happened, I was still full-time in a, one of Australia's largest corporations as a human-centred designer. And for those that don't know what that is, it is basically helping the business understand who their customer is and what are their pain points and helping them to design services and solutions for those customers. You know, it's quite easy for us to think about a pain point or some sort of customer um, issue and go, oh, I've got a solution. But quite often the solution is not the right answer from the very beginning. You need to go back and understand what that client is about and what is their pain. And I actually bring that into all my in, in all my photography jobs as well because it's they don't just need a photo. Why do they need that photo? What are they trying to do? What's the story? What is their passion? You know, what's important to them? Um, so it's been a very beautiful um, partnership where I was working in this beautiful job of HCD or human centered design and photography. But what I was finding was that. The work was coming in thick and thin with the photography and I had this awesome design job as well and I couldn't balance both. So you came to a, a crossroads and I went, it was about April last year when I actually was at the Food and Ag Innovation Bootcamp with Canvas Cut and we're going through uh, testing whether or not foodie shots would be a viable product. Is this something I should actually seriously consider? And it was, and it was quite exciting, but I had a decision to make. And uh, I actually asked myself, I remember having so many conversations with some of my closest network and going, how am I going to do this? You know, do I cut down my full-time hours and then ramp up in food photography? What am I going to do? Well, the universe sort of gave me the answer and um, I was fortunate enough to actually get a redundancy from my full-time job. And it pushed me off the ledge, uh, which is quite nerve-wracking. Like I was going to take the soft road. I was just going to cut back on my full-time hours, go down to three days a week and do, you know, more in the, in the food photography. And I went, this actually just pushed me off. And, yeah, it, that was a journey, I can tell you now. <laughs> You've got to love it when the universe answers your question for you and, and sort of even takes that decision away. And it's kind of like, oh, this is happening now. Okay, let's roll with that. We're, we're ready. So so you did start though before you'd quit your full-time job. 
and and you had been running Sunny and Cat Photography before then as well. So, so obviously you had some idea what was going to be required to to set up Foodie Shots as a business itself. But what steps did you actually take to start turning it from, oh, this is an idea of how this this new venture could evolve into it actually coming to life? I think I was lucky that I did have in my corporate role, I was already in tune with ask the questions, um, actually work out is this a, is it a real thing or is it just a want? Because, yeah, when you do start on, say, a business venture, you're putting in, it's a risk, you know. It's, even if it's just time, it's time away from family, it's time away from um, other priorities, health, um, work, whatever, you've got to make that sacrifice and I think it's really important to understand that without just blindly going in and going, oh, we'll just see how it works. Um, and, and some people do that. That's not in my nature. I need to understand the, the process and, and how I can foresee where things might go and then if they do go that way, how can I either mitigate that risk or how can I change it or which path do I go? And, and that's another thing. It's really important to stay open. Um, you may have a, a goal in mind, but there's mo- so many different ways to get to that goal. So as long as you have the ultimate goal in mind, but allow yourself the flexibility of understanding how you're going to get there may not be the the way you first thought you were going to get there, which COVID has certainly proved to us it's not the way I was going to get there. Um, I think that's a huge thing that you need to have. You need to have a curious mind of constantly going, well, how might I do this? I can't go through that mountain. How am I going to get over it? How am I going to get around it? What do I need to be able to do this? Can I do this by myself or do I actually have to go, help, I need some help here, I don't know how to do this? And the vulnerability of being able to go, I don't know or this just doesn't work, why, is really, um, it's, it's a lovely lovely position to be in, to be able to feel comfortable in that vulnerability because if you allow it to increase your fear, it actually stops you. So if you can just sit with that vulnerability of going, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> it's okay. Someone will know the answer. You just have to ask. So when you were starting, did you have a network of people to ask or is that something that you had to consciously develop? Ah. Oh. Um, I made a huge conscious decision, especially with the Sunny and Cat, into 18 to build up my network. To me, that was extremely important because I knew I could see the value in um, getting to know people, you know, and it's not online. Yes, I have a, I, I do believe in connecting with online people and building up that tribe in a digital form. However, the value of actually connecting with people face-to-face cannot be underestimated at all. Um, Those one-on-one connections are so important in learning some of those interpersonal skills of how do I just actually have a conversation? How do I actually listen to people without trying to solve their problem? Because I know in myself I quite often go to solution mode very, very quickly and I need to stop and go, no, just listen, 
what's their what do they want do they actually want a solution or do they just want to talk to you which is nice um so yeah 218 was about building my network and building my what I call tribe the people that I can rely on and feel safe to go I've got an idea what do you reckon and know that they're going to go that's crap don't do this or have you thought about this and the challenging like it's i that's what I probably do miss leaving my corporate role is I had a team of people that you could soundboard with constantly and you'd go and you'd be challenged because quite often in your Facebook network, they go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, great idea. Awesome. Not very, not very often do they go, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Why are you doing this? What is this? What does it mean to you? And all these questions that force you to actually really dig down into the deeper parts of um, understanding why you're doing something, which is so much more important because then you know you're on the right path or if it's aligning to your values. And that was a that was a crossroads where I came in with booty shots as well because I was doing, I'm not sure if people know, but I'm not just a photographer. I do workshops. I do cooking classes with businesses and chefs. I don't run the cooking classes. I facilitate and organise it all. But And that's about building, again, the community of businesses around us about food because food is a connector to me. Food comes from um, a childhood memory where I'm always cooking with my mum and my nana and all this sort of stuff and we always had veggie gardens. So food is actually integral to my core values and it just creates those emotions and memories and photography is able to encapsulate that it's able to stir up our memories let's face it you look at a decent food photographer food photo and you get hungry you want it you know it's the power of it um so i think building up a network is really important um 219 was about uh, focusing on processes and systems because no point having a successful, you know, big clients and that if you can't manage it and you get out of control. And we actually did get it. That was another crisis point. We started to get out of control. We started getting double bookings. We started missing emails. That was huge. So that's when we started to draw on the skills of some outside people to go, right, I give up. I know I'm not able to manage this. So get bring someone into my um, into my inner circle and go, you speak my language, you get me, which is also important. You don't just go and get anyone. You need to connect with that person. They need to get you. They need to be on your journey as well and want to be invested in your journey. They need to have skin in the game. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've got Shane Herring from Atomic Automation and he's just he's just opened up my eyes to how I can keep the human in my language because that's what I was scared about. I didn't want to automate my systems and then lose my contact um, with my, with the client. So, yeah, that was another crisis point that we, we sort of met. I hope that answered your question, Joy. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a little further though and say obviously there's been a lot that you've learned during those last few years. So through Sunny and Cat Photography and then creating foodie shots as well. And, you know, you've said there were some challenges, things like, you know, missing an email or or a double booking. Um, but for yourself in in the journey of creating it, you know, there's I'm sure it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but is there anything particular that you think, okay, this sort of stands out for me as a bit of a pivotal moment in my in my journey of creation, of, of bringing this idea to reality? 
probably had the moment, and I'll say it's a, a moment where it was in January. So I'd only got out of my corporate role in December last year. And we had made the decision to do this. And we both, Sonny and I said, well, we've jumped. We now need to understand that I'm not going to be able to replace my salary, my very good salary, in a year. We're just going to have to accept that. It's okay. Um, That's really hard for someone um, who feels the need to be on par with their partner, to be able to contribute to the family, to feel as though they're adding value and they're, you know, they're being able to help put the food on the table. It's a huge mind shift because working in a corporation, you're working generally nine to five. That never works. But you're getting a paycheck. You know in each fortnight you're going to get a paycheck. You can count on it and all that sort of stuff. You're sort of institutionalised. When you go out into your own business and you do not have the reliability of knowing what when your next check is coming in, that's a huge barrier and mindset to get over um, and that is where your inner tribe really comes into play because you will fall. Now, I, I know what the customer journey like is for a small business because I've helped those you know, in business, go through it. So I could see that this was going to happen. And in January, it did. I had one of those what the F moments. I went and I crashed and I knew it was coming. Um, and so I could identify and you you go into, I think, what if I fail? What if, what if, what if? And you go into sort of catastrophizing. And it takes a little bit. You need to just sit with it. It took me only two, two three days to sort of go, okay, right. I can't go back. <laughs> Might as well go forward. How am I going to do this? What do I need? Um, and just being kind to yourself too and knowing that this is part of the journey. I couldn't avoid it. And that's I think that's the biggest thing. You cannot avoid those moments because it's part of it and it's that shift in mindset, which is, which is exciting. It means that you shifted. So the quicker you can get over that shift, is the, is as is really good and they become quicker and quicker because anyone in small business will have these multiple mini what the f moments. Um, it's a matter of how you quickly adapt and not stay down there, which is really important. So yeah, yeah. Knowing that something's coming can help prepare you for those who have never experienced it when they get it the first time. Sometimes it's it's the end, but if you know it's coming and you can go, yep, and my active recovery on the other side of that is going to be, you know, shorter and shorter, as you said, as you yeah. go through it. But I don't know that it ever ends. So we just have to accept that we we have these moments of elation followed by a pit of despair, followed by, you know, acceptance. So I actually think if you don't have those moments, you are not pushing. In all honesty, if you are not scared or have any self-doubts, you are not pushing yourself and you are just being a in this medium, in, yeah, which is to me that's not challenging enough and I've always got to challenge and push and go, what's the next step? And, that, and not everyone's like that. I understand that. But for me, I need to, yeah, I need to be able to go, okay, next <laughs> I get bored. <laughs> Next. <That's it. laughs> so as well as those moments where things maybe haven't gone the way you wanted and you've you've 
bounce back from it though. I'm sure there's lots of moments that you're actually super proud of with what you've accomplished. So how about you tell us about one of those at least? Okay, so um, in actual fact, yes, COVID is a horrible thing that's happening to so many businesses at the moment. It is devastating and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't, you know, so um, in saying that, though, it has been such a an amazing time for challenging our way of thinking, pushing ourselves to um, do things in different ways. And one of those is um, we made the decision in uh, December to build our studio out here in Highfields. And because the universe gave me this gift of my redundancy and it just so happened to be what I needed to build the studio. So we decided, even though COVID was announced, we're continuing. Um, a lot of people said to us, should you just wait? Should you just see what happens? Should you keep that as a buffer? And we said, no, we made this decision. We're going to stick with it. We're going to do it. We're so glad we did that because now we have our beautiful studio and it has actually given me personally validity that I'm doing the right thing. You know, I'm not in my garage anymore, which was still beautifully kicked out with all our professional stuff, but we have a space and we can stay as ours. So that, that was, I'm very, very proud of that, that we actually stuck to our guns and took that risk. Um, some of the other things with COVID is that I had to change the way I, I ran my workshops. So when I teach photography skills to other businesses and people or food bloggers, they normally I'd go to a place like um, Tinker Art and, and use their space. Well, now I can use it here. Um, however, during our lockdown, I had to convert that to online. Converting a physical workshop to online, it opens up such a gamut of technological obstacles and the way you do things and the way you actually have to communicate and the way you have to prepare your participants to coming in um, and the way that I can connect with them as well to understand their needs as we go through the workshop. So I was very proud to know that all my online workshops were very well received. In fact, one of them actually said I got a lot, they she'd been to both my in-person and my online. She said, I actually got even more out of the online because of the perspective of using the phone of the overhead plus the connection of a laptop with Zoom and then me using my phone to get up close and personal and show them how I'm thinking. So it was quite interesting to see the perspectives of both in-person and an online experience. Um, so that was really cool. Um, in terms of, I must admit, we had a failure. And every business has a failure. And it was my online, I was trying to convert one of my cooking classes to online. Now, we went through our normal design cycle and we tested it, what we call an MVP. We used poached eggs as a test instead of pasta and it worked. It was fun. You know, people, um, I think yourself, Joy, you did that and you said, oh, we, I now know how to make poached eggs. That was successful. But when we actually then went live with our pasta one, what we realised is not um, just because you can cook an egg and poach egg online does not mean you can do a whole make pasta workshop online. There is, there's even um, steps in between one cooking type and another cooking type. So we learned that that was not going to be a viable product and we decided not to continue with that. 
The reason I wanted to do it was because I felt there was a need to help those that were in isolation to do something mentally and, and be involved and connect socially with other people across the world. That was my dream. It didn't happen and that's okay because I learned things and I'm better for it. Um, so I, I must admit um, I am very proud of that and also, you know, running things like Ask Your Chef series because it's about connecting our chefs that were stuck and they weren't doing anything really and connecting with the community who are also at home. They're both in the same situation and they have so much to share, like, you know, share their tips with the community and get to know them a bit more. So there's lots of things that I'm quite proud of this year. Yeah. And you deserve to be well done on it. And I think recognising those learning opportunities when things work and when they don't work the way you expect if you take them as that, I think that is a great thing to be proud of and not, you know, not afraid to say it as well. So well done. Now, I know this is still fairly early in your journey and there's probably lots and lots of things on your horizon, but where's Foodie Shots heading to? What's sort of next on your the next stage of your journey? Um, next is national. So um, I'm, I'm very... Um, pleased and proud to be uh, gluten-free Australia uh, gluten-free oats Australia's uh, photographer who are a national brand um, they're locally producing their gluten-free oats um, but I want to actually hit the national market in terms of national brands coming to me and and me getting some sort of um, that client base because uh, yeah, I've built my tribe now on, on my Facebook. I love them to bits. They share and we interact and, we, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I need to get the businesses now on my page. I need them to see the value of and the power of food, of good food photography. The way that iPhones um, and, and um, or smartphones now can help businesses create their disposable social media images, which is what I teach in my workshops predominantly. Most of them only use their um, smartphones, which is fine, but there's still a huge difference in the quality and the production of an image when you do it as a studio um, setup or professional photo rather than an iPhone. Um, so I think I want to hit those national brands, um, especially in the food and product um, industry not necessarily um, I love doing the restaurants and the cafes but the things you can do with product you can do it in a lifestyle form you can bring it to life I think is quite interesting you know and when you see food in a package it's it's in its container and a lot of work has gone into that product there's a lot of research a lot of product development a lot of um, production and all those sort of things I think yeah I that's where I want to play more this year. Cool. I look forward to seeing that. I can imagine you with all sorts of different products on your on your portfolio of what you've photographed. So I look forward to it. Now, you did mention a couple of things earlier on of, uh, you know, hints and tips that people might want to adopt, um, similar to what you did when you were getting started. But if someone did sit down with you today and said, hey, Kat, you know, I've got this idea for something, what would you want them to know before they begin on their very first journey of starting to bring their own idea to reality? It may seem a bit cliche, but why? <laughs> um. If it's for money, fine, but why? 
what does that money bring you? Is it a better lifestyle? Is it is there a goal in mind? Um, is it to connect communities? Is it to build a legacy? What is it that's going to drive you? Because regardless of whatever job or business you're trying to create, there's going to be times where you are going to question whether you're doing the right thing and you're going to need to come back to that why. If you don't have that in concrete, it is potentially to, going to fail. Um, or it's unfortunately a hobby, you know what I mean? And that's fine, but you've got to make the distinction whether it's going to stay a, a hobby or a side hustle like we were or you're going to take that leap and actually co- make that a decisive decision to make this. And if, if you're going to have, go into business, you're going to want to grow. Now, when I say grow, it doesn't mean grow to a multinational corporation, but you're going to want to develop that business into much more than where it just started from this little grain of sand. You're going to want to make this, you know, beautiful and big and audacious. What's what's your audacious goal in the end? I think, um, yeah, you just got to keep an open mind and, and grow constantly. <laughs> Love it. Matches matches my thoughts. And if you've listened to my podcast in the past, you'll know that the very first thing I think people will need to consider is also why. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Kat. I really enjoyed listening to you tell a little of your story and I know there's so much more to it. Um, but if people want to connect with you and find out more about foodie shots and maybe come and have their photograph taken in your beautiful studio like I did, if you check out my my. Uh, profile photos Kat did those for me um, but how can people reach you where can they find you we're we're everywhere um the uh facebook just look up foodie shots photography you do have to put in the photography because there is another foodie shots and uh um mind you we are being trademarked so keep we just got to wait the seven months um and definitely on instagram again foodie shots photography um we do have the website um, so foodieshots.com.au and also you'll see that um, potential, oh, you may have seen that I've been nominated for Oz Mompreneur so hopefully if I'm a finalist so we can get into voting I don't know it's my first year <laughs> bit exciting um, and same with Sunny and Cat. so Sunny and Cat is on Instagram Sunny and Cat Photography is on Facebook and things like that so there are two very distinct businesses. If you need your corporate branding or stories, go to Sunny and Cat. If you need your food and product, foodie shots. And before we wrap up, is there anything that people can do that are listening to help you with what you're doing? Any any ask that you have? What I would love people to do is if they're sitting down in a restaurant or cafe that they truly love and they want to help support and they need good food photography, if that's the thing that's holding them potentially back, give them my name, okay? Um, It's very hard from my position to go up to a business and go, hey, your photos are, you know, less desirable, I can help. It just doesn't come across. But if your loyal customers come up to you and go, hey, you have you checked out Kat from Foodie Shots? She might be able to help you. They might. It's a it's a softer approach. Um, and I and honestly, I truly just want to help them because if they succeed and they stay in our community, it helps our economy. It helps our you know. It just helps us in every every way. So um, it is. It comes from the heart of I want to help them. It's not just a sales pitch. 
and and we see that and we feel that. So yeah, totally, totally get it. Very good. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and I look forward to seeing where Foodie Shots evolves in the future. Thanks, Joy. Last week we talked about communicating and the value of making a visual representation of the story, the product or the journey. As we've just had a chat with Kat, I wanted to share my thoughts on the value of having a good photograph of yourself as well as your products. Recently, I took the plunge to get a new set of profile photos taken. My LinkedIn photo was from over five years prior, and whilst I believe I'm aging gracefully, it was clear when I met someone new that it's in my photo, they didn't always recognise me as the same person. And that is because I'm not the same person anymore. When you're communicating your personal brand visually, your profile photo is a key part of that message. You want it to show someone your character. Of course, your written bio will provide more details as well, and that's important. But that photograph will usually be the first thing someone will see when they search for you. And yes, I believe it is a crime to not have a good profile photo on your LinkedIn page as well as your website. So when planning to get a new profile photo taken, it's important to take the time to consider what message you want to share. Do some research. Check out the profile photos of people you admire and role models in your life that you believe present themselves clearly and honestly. If you're a web developer that spends every day in jeans and a hoodie and your profile photo shows you in a tuxedo, it might not send the right message. Consider where you'll want to use your images. If it will just be on your LinkedIn page or elsewhere, you may need a few different ones. You might need an up-close headshot a half-body standing pose or a casual seated pose. Perhaps doing something that aligns with what you do and having some props in the shot will help you give more clarity to your audience. The other thing I learned was that if you're a bit nervous about being photographed, make yourself a playlist of songs that make you relaxed and happy. After all, smiling is recommended. So don't listen to songs that make you sad or melancholy on the drive to the studio. And for that matter, it doesn't need to be in a studio. They don't have to be studio photos. You may be better to have your photos taken in another location, on site, in a park or a garden or somewhere else. Talk to your photographer about some options. They're likely to know some great places in your area that can provide a good backdrop and also what time of day will be best to capture your profile in the right light. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Ideas into Reality episode. And we hope that you enjoyed learning about our founder's journey and got a couple of takeaways from the lesson learned that will help end the flames of your idea. Assuming you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and let your friends know too. They might just be sitting on an idea that you do not even know about yet. You can find out more about Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba by visiting our websites, canvascoworking.com.au and startuptoowoomba.com.au or finding us on pretty much any social media platform. My name is Joy Taylor and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey and I look forward to introducing you to our next guest in our next episode.